0: Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today, we're talking about season four, episode
1: 29, Truth or Consequences. Mary, what happened this week? Andrea is on 24-hour bed rest, but as worried as she's been about her pregnancy, she doesn't seem to be taking it seriously. She goes so far as to check the mail and even answer the phone, the nerve of her.
2: Okay, literally, that's what is in my notes. I was like, this is a weird mood for Andrea. She would understand bed rest. But also the audacity that she
0: should deign to
2: answer the phone when it rings. I love... (laughs) that like jesse's only purpose in this entire episode was to be like you're supposed to be on bed rest do you know what that means it means you rest in bed i know they really did just like lay it out for us they were like bed rest is very literal (laughs) yeah it's mm.
0: it is interesting i like i will say that yeah she's so hyper vigilant about something being wrong with the baby and she just like it's like it's fine it's fine it's fine like on being up and at him and don't get me wrong like yeah she should be able to like get up and go answer the phone if it rings because who else is going to answer the phone if no one else is home but like she's even complaining about the medicine making her all like speedy and nuts is what she says and stuff so it's a little
2: weird I guess It's a little weird. I definitely feel like they just don't know what to do with Andrea because really, other than that, the only thing she does in this episode is eat more food. Yeah, she just participates in a sorority meeting, eats food and doesn't really talk and that's it? Yeah, I I guess, yeah, with that sorority meeting, like Kelly and Donna show up, tell her, you know, the hot goss about Brenda and then, yeah, she just has that one line of like, I don't believe it. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll talk about it in the Brenda story with what's happening, but, like, Andrea doesn't even participate in the apology later. Right. Like, she's literally, she's just, she's not in this episode. She's on bed rest. <laughs> Which I don't understand why they didn't just say, she's on bed rest, she can't be here. Exactly.
0: Like, I mean, they do move the sorority meeting from the Peach Pit to Andrea's house, which is a good move. But, like, they didn't have to. They could just said, like, Andrea's like, oh, well, I can't make it this week.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know how, like, TV contracts works. Maybe she had to appear in this episode. But, like, yeah. did she really? Right. I just feel like they're I – don't, I don't like what's happening with her character. I don't like her getting yelled at for going to get the mail. Mm-hmm. And I don't like her saying like I don't like the medicine I'm taking and I'm fine. Even though last episode she went into premature labor and was like I'm losing my baby. Like yeah, it's not real. I don't like it.
0: Yeah, again, it's just they they really just don't know what to do with her. So they're like, we'll just do this, and then we'll have her say that, and then okay, we satisfied her contract or you know whatever it is yeah. they're trying to do.
2: She's the Nat in this episode where oh, she shows up dear. for one line and then walks away. Which uh, Nat actually does.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, I think Nat pulls
2: a gnat too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that that's Andrea, right? Mm-hmm. All right, Mary. What else happened this week?
1: Erica has a report for school about what her parent does for work, but she can't wait until after work to ask Suzanne all of the questions about her job. Suzanne is like, go bother Kevin's mustache with your schoolwork. So, she and Dylan go watch Kevin do work instead. He has a solution of microorganisms that clean water when exposed to sunlight or something. It's way cool, but Kevin isn't one of the stars at his lab, so he's sure his research will never amount to anything. So, he decides to quit his job and find some other lab where he and his work will be appreciated. I do like
2: I feel like it's kind of weird that they had to do this whole like roundabout way to be like, "Erica, go see what Kevin does for work" because we've already had the episode where we had to prove that like Kevin's cool and Erica doesn't hate him and wants to give him a chance.
0: Yeah, it was like they needed to legitimize kevin again but also legitimize kevin and erica that they've bonded now because then they drop the bomb later in the episode that kevin and suzanne are which i'll just go ahead and say that they're going to get married after like a day of knowing each other
2: yeah well because like they you know in this whole scene where she's trying to talk to suzanne while she's working dylan's like hey i would also like to see kevin's lab it'd be pretty cool let's go together i was like I feel like we're kind of infantilizing this child. Like, right. We can just say, like, mom does not have time to talk to you right now. And we also, like, why don't you go talk to Kevin?
0: Yeah. And, like, I don't know. Shouldn't she be in school? Like, I guess we don't know what time it is.
2: Maybe it's after school. But, like, I it's don't like, know. It's like how Claire just shows up places and is just like, no, I'm not in school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Done.
0: Yeah, Erica's like, what? My second semester of my fifth grade year? Yeah, right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, okay, but I would like pay to watch an episode where Erica just turns into like a a little brat. (laughs) Claire. Yeah. (laughs) I would too. She'd be more interesting. Right? Like, I do kind of wish we had like 90210, the middle school years. Oh my god. It'd be like Freaks and Geeks, but
0: not focused on Jason Segel and Linda Cardellini and Busy Phillips,
2: and James Franco. Well, it could probably still be focused on Busy Phillips
0: or James Franco because let's face it, he acts like an infant on everything he's in. So
2: very true, <laughs> very true.
0: Uh, uh, I don't know why I suddenly just got very like <laughs> angry about James Franco. <laughs>
2: let's be honest we should be angry about james franco
0: (laughs) maybe i channeled busy phillips anger (laughs) for him i was like protect busy at all costs just talk bad about james franco
2: (laughs) i mean but it works yeah i'm there with you i'll feed that anger wonderful uh but yeah because like you know they're doing they keep doing this thing of like kevin's cool we like kevin you should go hang out with kevin and then yeah the next time we see at basically at Dylan's house, Dylan and Kelly are there talking and Suzanne and Kevin and Erica show up unannounced with a box of pastries and Erica's just like, they're getting married and I'm the maid of honor. Yeah. And like Dylan's like
0: super congratulatory, but then Kelly makes a snide comment about it being like two months, which I, that's what I wrote down. I wrote down, yeah, cause it's only been like two months, but just kidding. It's only been a couple of weeks. They pull a car wash.
2: I know. The show is so funny to me where they're like, we have 30 episodes in this season, but we got to get an engagement in in like five. <laughs> yeah. We don't have time for this.
0: It's so true. Like, I yeah. can't believe we've had two storylines in one season about two different couples knowing each other for two weeks who are now getting married. <laughs> and there were like a solid
2: 10 weeks in between them. Yes. It's crazy. Because, yeah, Kelly calls it a whirlwind romance. And, like, it is a snide comment, but I feel like Dylan gets more mad at her because they were already mad at each other before Kevin and Erica and Suzanne showed up. Yeah. And, yeah, he's like, why can't you just be happy for them? Well, and it's, like,
0: probably still left over from the previous argument that they had because Kelly – was mad that Dylan kind of left her to just hang out with Erica and Suzanne and she doesn't really know them um and like Dylan's being all moody about like the fact that she doesn't know them or doesn't seem to want to get to know them or or whatever the case is he's just mad about all that stuff and then of course Kelly's still mad because he selectively listens to what she has to say about stuff so it's like at this point I just want them to break up because all they do is fight
2: same and like i didn't even remember the idea that like literally last episode Kel- kelly was like oh my god i can't believe you dumped me with your sister and her mom mm-hmm. like i totally forgot about that and now i'm just like you can't dylan cannot bring kelly to this wedding yeah. it actually happens he really cannot bring kelly to this wedding because they're just gonna break up at some point and she's gonna be all sour about like him having to go do family pictures or something hmm yeah Like, they're really – I feel like when we split these up by people, you kind of realize how quickly the pace is going because the next time we see Dylan is when Kevin is showing him and Erica all that gross stuff in his lab and is Mm -hmm. like, here's microorganisms, pour that in the water, and then we're going to add sunlight, and that's bioremediation. I almost made a joke, but I don't know if it would have landed.
0: But I want to be like, bro, that's photosynthesis, but it involves plants, (laughs) which technically like the sludge in the bay probably has plants or something in it. But that's when I had to start explaining it to myself in my own head. I was like, this joke won't land.
2: (laughs) Oh, but I really wish we could figure that out because that would be a good one.
0: Yeah. I mean, because, again, we, we all know that the writers do some research, but not all the research because who has time for that? I mean, it's kind of like asking a time travel show to like actually investigate time
2: travel. (laughs) (laughs) To actually write down the rules of time travel for the entire universe and make sure that they're consistent across shows. Why would anyone do that? Who knows? Not important. We just make up the rules as we go.
1: (laughs) Just make it mostly make sense. No one cares that much.
2: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like I Googled the word bioremediation just to make sure that that was actually a word because I don't know anything about science and when I saw that it was I was like okay cool I'm done yeah exactly and that's probably what the writers were like
0: too let me just get a basic definition we'll make sure we include words like microorganism sunlight and I don't know what else and then we're good because people like that's the thing you can convince somebody of something that they don't know by sounding smart enough
1: yeah I want to believe that, like, one of the writers was just, like, reading the paper one day and came across an article about it and were like, neat. I'm going to save <laughs> this if I ever have to write a scientist.
2: <laughs> I swear that has to be what they do, though, because, yeah, like, you couldn't as easily Google and, like, ask Jeeves and Bing and, you know, whatever back then. So, like, I do think that they were probably like, I got the LA Times this week. Whatever's in this newspaper is going in this week's episode. I mean, that's a good point. Like seeing as like
0: so many writers, producers, directors of shows bring elements of themselves into the shows, it's like maybe there really has been a crisis in the Bay of all this sludge happening. So it's probably is a, a locally covered, you know, news story or, um, you know, there's an event going on to try to save the Bay, like, you know, things like that, like that's actually happening. So I'm sure they pull that in. Um, which kind of makes it cool. It actually makes it probably cooler that that stuff happens in real life instead of just thinking about something and then Googling it because it feels more
2: authentic. Yeah. No, I really like this idea. And I really like that, you know, specifically if they're going to have it, it somehow ends up centering around Dylan because, you know, like they say while they're in the lab, you know, Kevin's like, oh, you can go surfing all the time. and You never have to worry about getting an infection. Like this is something that Dylan has actually had to deal with in the past. So it's like mm-hmm. I appreciate that not only are they bringing in like potentially current events, but they're making sure that it's staying relevant to the character that they're applying it to.
0: Exactly. Like that was actually well um, – what's what I'm looking for? Folded into the storyline and with the right characters.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean Kevin even goes further to say like it's not going to be on the market because it's not cost effective and it's not uh, – it's not from one of the stars of the company, which like I know the companies play favorites. Like at my job, I could tell you exactly who the favorites are for each manager. Um, but it's still so funny for me to hear this, to be like science has favorites and they have like potentially like earth-saving technology and they're like – but Kevin, we remembered that time that you microwaved eggs and we don't like you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the that when you say it like that it
0: sounds so dumb that favoritism even exists, right? But it totally
2: does, and usually it's for the dumbest reason. Oh yeah. No, yeah, cuz he says like they'll never go for it and Dylan's like, "Well, you shouldn't waste your time here." And I guess Kevin takes that to heart because the next time we see him, it's family dinner at the Peach Pit and he's like, he basically just shows up late and is like, I quit my job. And this is where I got
0: suspicious because for a few reasons. Number one, uh, this shows again Dylan's youth, right? Like Dylan is just a freshman in college we always think of these characters as older than they are because a they look older but they they are 30 right but then b it's like they are in a lot of more adult situations like more so than you probably would be at, at 19 years old these days but it's like this is showing like hey man if they don't want to support you if they don't like you just just tell say screw them you know like that's such a naive and unrealistic way to think but it's Exactly the right way a nineteen-year-old probably thinks. So, but the fact that Kevin was able to be convinced by that um, gave me pause. So that was reason number one. Number two is now I'm like, okay, sir. So you're supposedly a well-respected biochemist or bioengineer, or I forget exactly environmental uh, environmental chemist. That's what he is. Yep. But you're not the favorite. So if you just quit out of nowhere what does that really say about you and your profession right like it'd be one thing if you had been beaten down doors for years potentially months whatever and you were trying to go a different route about it but you just quit just like that that made me worry third reason now he suddenly proposed to Suzanne and she accepted
2: before he quit and like I I also thought this scene was a little weird but actually for different reasons because after he announces he quits and like you know Dylan's so proud of him and whatnot because he's 19 and like doesn't understand the consequences of not having a job when you don't Mm -hmm. have a trust fund. Suzanne makes this like offhanded comment about how Dylan should hire Kevin at the peach pit and I was like That's weird. What's going on here? Like, why would he hire him at the Peach Pit if he's got this amazing technology for bioremediation that could save the world? And he also had
0: that other technology, supposedly, in the back of his car. Oh, yeah. That controlled your surfboard or something like that. So all of these things put together and also I I, and maybe this was subtle and, and not necessarily something we should have been picked up on, but I thought I saw something, so I'll mention it. But when she says, like, oh, you should uh, – Dellen, should hire him for the Peach Pit. Kevin looks at her very weird. Like, almost like, no, 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 no. You
2: can't say that yet. It's not time. And see, like, I, I do think he looked at her weird because I read it as, like, that's a weird thing to say when you know that I'm a really good, like, chemist slash inventor. Why would you write me off like that?
0: yes. But then if it goes along with what I think, and I'm thinking he's a con man, then what I'm thinking is that he looks at her like that because either A, it wasn't the right time to say that, or B, that was way too obvious. Like Kevin's, what he comes across to me, because con men are like this, is just a good salesman, right? Like he can sell you on something because he's either passionate about it or you know, whatever. He's just good at talking. And so he's already convinced, he's already got Dylan's trust because he took Dylan's advice, right? He made mm-hmm. Dylan look like, you know, the smartest guy ever. Oh, you're right, Dylan. I, I I should stick it to the man. So I quit. You know, whatever. Dylan's all proud of him. Dylan's seen stars, like whatever. So yeah. Kevin was gonna wear Dylan down eventually by working at the peach pit so that they could get access to books or money or whatever
2: but this was the wrong time. Yeah. And like, I feel like so much of this could kind of fill in, like being a con man, like they know that Dylan cares so much about the water. So like that's, you know, their way in to talk to him, like, Hey, look at this cool thing I have for surfing that nobody's ever heard about. And I haven't sold for a million dollars. Look at this amazing technology for bioremediations that we can, you know, cleanse the water and you can surf as much as you ever want to without getting sick. But my company is not on board with it because I'm not super famous, so they'll never do it. And like, you know, I I have a hard time believing that Erica is in on this, but even her with her report being like, I'm already done with it. You inspired me so much, Kevin. Like, I feel like Dylan cares so much about Erica that that's probably also getting to him of like, she's finally getting like someone to look up to. She's going to get a father figure that I never had. Like I have to support him. Exactly. And think about it. We are, remember that random time when Kevin almost
0: got hit by a bus, but Dylan saved him? Yeah. That was like step number one of being emotionally invested in Kevin from Dylan.
2: No, it's, I feel like it's kind of a convoluted plan, but we've been thinking that Suzanne was a con artist from like day one. So I freely believe that Kevin isn't on it.
1: Yep. Her last name is Steel. Oh, I remember.
0: <laughs> I remember. Do we know Kevin's last name? Does he have a last name that we know? Isn't it Weaver?
2: Oh, that I think that's right. Um, So he quits this place where he has been working on this proprietary bioremediation stuff like He probably can't just take that with him, right? Like, if you, you know, John's a software engineer. If he writes code for his current job and leaves to go to another job, he can't take that code with him. Yeah, exactly. So, like, these are things that I think of that a 19-year-old's probably not thinking of. And, like, they're assuming that people are not going to be thinking about. Exactly. Or... They know that people will be thinking about it. And so they're like planting the seeds of being like, do not trust Kevin.
0: Yeah. And they're like, no,
2: Dylan, no. Like <laughs> yelling at the TV, like, don't do it. And yeah. I mean, that's about where I am now. I'm just like, <laughs> I do not trust Geraldo. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. I do not trust you
0: and
1: your mustache, sir.
2: Oof, whole poor secret. Dylan. I don't
1: know. <laughs> Makes me so mad because he reminds me so much of Harvey from Stardew Valley with his mustache glasses (laughs) and I hate it. I hate when they make those guys evil. I mean,
2: I feel like we have a pattern of you liking mustache glasses now and they're like, oh, you
1: like mustache glasses? How about these mustache glasses? (laughs) They just don't want me to trust mustache glasses. I don't know what the media has against them. I feel like Ned Flanders and Harvey from Stardew Valley are the only exceptions. I know. It's it's wild.
2: Um, Speaking of wild, do we want to talk about Brandon and Claire Arnold? Yes, please.
1: Brandon wrote a statement for Task Force, which has been added as a keynote for whatever presentation they're doing in Washington for the president. The whole thing is still a little unclear, but good for our boy. The chancellor wants to make sure that Brando doesn't go berserky at Berkeley, you know, because he brought his daughter home from prom so late. You know, he continues, all my daughter's boyfriends wind up getting into trouble. I wonder why that is. I've done a great job as a single father, if I do say so myself. Claire shows up at Brandon's to give him a ticket to Berkeley and also shows him her ticket to Berkeley because she's coming too. Brandon sits down with the chancellor to be like, your daughter is kind of wild. Claire tells Brandon he done fucked up.
2: (laughs) I am so excited to see what's going to happen with Brandon because it does really, you know, the chancellor brings this up time and time again where he's just like, it's not my daughter's fault. It's all these guys that she's been dating, but she's finally found a good guy in you, Brandon. And I mean... (laughs) I don't remember exactly what Brandon says, but later in the episode, he says that like he's been trying to tell the chancellor about how crazy Claire is and like, no, he's not. Yeah, he does that thing
0: of where he like, I don't know, like beats around the bush. Like if he really wanted to get Claire off his back, he should straight up say what Claire has been doing Tell the chancellor the words that she says. Like, I don't know. If he was really that serious about it, he, he would. I mean, we've seen Brandon go full Brandon on something for way less than this. So he knows how to do it. So he still likes the attention.
2: Yeah, I think the whole thing is with the chancellor. It's a very like Jim Walsh, like daddy be proud of me kind of thing that Brandon's got going on because the chancellor will be like, you know, Claire's dates always end up in hot water when they date her. And like, I don't know what's happening, but like, it's definitely not her fault. And Brandon will be like, yeah, it's not her fault. Right. When like, yeah, if you're talking to someone who, you know, idolizes his daughter, like they have this relationship where he's been a single father, it's been just the two of them for so long. Like he thinks he's doing such a great job and she's such a great kid, which probably on paper she is like, she makes that comment about how she got into all of her schools. Mm -hmm. So he's probably like either not hearing Brandon's sarcasm or selectively excluding it. Yeah,
0: and and I've seen that happen before with like, I don't know, people that I had gone to high school with or or whatever where sometimes the parents – don't want to believe it's true because they don't want to believe that they quote unquote failed, even though they didn't, it's not all on them. Like, I, you know, which I can, I can totally understand how parents do really feel like their influence is what did or didn't cause their kid to be good or bad. Totally get it. But I think it's more sometimes the perception of it, right? Like they don't ever want to say anything bad about their child or they don't ever want to hear something bad said about their child because they don't want to believe that their child is actually bad. I mean, literally someone I know who may or may not be in the Lewis family, like, is kind of the worst, but yet their parent will not hear it, will not believe it. Like, you cannot say anything bad about this person, And it's baffling to me. I mean, I get it because this person's all about perception in society with other people, whatever. But still, yeah, like, but with Claire, I feel like she's really not a bad person. She just has clearly been raised by a single father.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's completely true. I think it's very obvious that, you know, he kind of holds her on a pedestal and he probably, like, gave her everything she ever wanted in the world because he's got a really good job and she didn't have a mother and he wanted to try and like he felt like he had to fill that hole with you know more than just what he already has which like I think is a single parent thing I don't really know um and then like if you find out that your kid is not exactly what you thought they were like that's like a glass shattering moment and you're like oh my god everything that i've thought for their entire life is a lie Totally. And and it could be that thing, too, of where
0: he tried to make sure she didn't go without when really she just wanted his attention. Right. Because it's very clear that she is desperate for attention from a male, a male. And yeah. that typically st- and I don't like this term, but it typically stems from, quote unquote, daddy issues. Um, So I think that's pretty obvious. And the chancellor just doesn't see it, which is part of the problem.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you know, to be fair, like we've seen these quote unquote daddy issues in the Walsh family. Like remember Mm -hmm. when Brandon had to tell Jim about what was happening with Lucinda and Jim was just like, well, I didn't think you could surprise me, but now I'm incredibly disappointed with you and just walked away. Yep. And like, luckily the Walshes do not know how to punish their children and have like very short short-term memory so like everything's back to normal yeah Cause, like you know Claire shows up at the house later to and she brings him two plane tickets that she says is courtesy of university travel which like was weird but I didn't look into it I was <laughs> like did universities have travel agencies for student groups what yeah a little odd but also
0: like I'm curious if she somehow convinced the chancellor to let Brandon have a plus one to the keynote speech or whatever. And so they got, the, she got the tickets from him and he was the one that got the
2: tickets from like the school or what I, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Cause yeah, it sounds later that he was not expecting to find out that Claire was going to Berkeley at the same time that Brandon was. Right. But yeah, that's essentially what she says. Is like, oh, I got accepted to Berkeley, so I need to go on a tour, so I'm going with you and like doing her whole like super aggressive, I will have you kind of a thing. Hmm. And yeah, like Jim and Cindy come downstairs and of course, Cindy has her school books and invites Claire for breakfast, even though a couple episodes ago she was like, I'm going to be too busy with school to feed anyone. I feel like Cindy can't. She was like, I have to feed this child. She's here. <laughs> Just. Do you want some breakfast?
0: Dang it, Cindy. I just I have to. (laughs) You look
2: like you need some grapefruit.
0: It's just her maternal instincts just went out every
2: time. Every time. (laughs) But then, like, yeah, I guess like Brandon makes a face around Claire and she ends up leaving. And then Jim and Brandon talk. And Brandon is very like nonchalantly talking about Lucinda now.
0: Yeah. He well, first of all, I have a problem with the fact that. He basically called Claire a serial killer, um, aggressive, but then he also says that she's
2: potentially more dangerous than Lucinda, and- Which, like, whoa. (laughs) Lucinda never did anything to Brandon to be dangerous. He did everything. Like, he was a willing participant in this affair. She didn't do anything to Brandon. Correct. And so I guess that depends
0: on like what Brandon's definition of dangerous is. Like, is it in the manipulation? Is it in the. Like, it seems like he almost deems dangerous as emotional or mental because let's be real, Emily Valentine has been the most literal dangerous because she threatened to set, you know, the float on fire and. Like, all that and, kind of stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because I I thought it was very interesting that he said Lucinda and not Emily Valentine. And, like, I guess if you think about it, like, there was the whole Lucinda trying to start an affair while she was married and, like, you know, playing footsie with him and whatnot at the table with her husband. But, like, I don't know. If I'm thinking of the definition of dangerous when you're literally calling Claire a serial killer, it feels much more on brand to have been, like, It's like Emily Valentine, but 10 times worse or, you know, something. Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So clearly Brandon sees Claire as a threat. Um, More threatening than Lucinda, which I don't believe is possible. Um, Just because Lucinda seems to be like truly, truly a mastermind, which is awesome. (laughs) Um, Then Jim says something that I hate. Absolutely hate. He says... Well, just remember, Brandon, every father's daughter is a virgin.
2: I almost shut my laptop at that point. (laughs) Like, that is just. It is like the antithesis of feminism, and it makes me so mad. Like, it's the whole like virginity is a gift. It's. Like I love watching Jane the Virgin, but every single time you see that stupid flower in the <laughs> shot, I'm like, "Oh, I hate Abuela. I forgot about that." Yeah. But it's also like it's only a gift for a woman, right?
0: Like for a man, it's yours to do with what you will. You're the one that's going to like make the woman, you know, so life-changing and magical or whatever, but like like you can do that to as many men- women as you want to. But Every father's daughter is a virgin, so they only get it once. Or, like, whatever. You know, it's, like, such a double standard as to how, like, okay, every father's son is also a
2: virgin. Like, yeah. No, that's exactly the thing. Is like, this whole, like, oh, she's not a virgin is, like, some earth-shattering thing. But then you find out, like, you know, Jim finding out that Brandon had sex? Nothing. Jim finding out that Brenda has sex meant, like, all of them sitting together on a couch really uncomfortably and, like, talking about exactly what's going on with her body. Exactly. No. I hate the double standard, and I don't like it, and sometimes I just don't like Jim. Also, (laughs) sorry for this, like, total non sequitur. This episode was directed by James Eckhouse. Oh, boy. So it's his second one. I, I looked up the first one, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. Um, I think it I think it was the one where Kelly and Dylan broke up, so it might have been the one where Dylan got carjacked. Or oh. I guess just robbed at gunpoint because he wasn't mm-hmm. carjacked. Um, yeah, directed by James Eckhouse. Mm. Which, like, I don't think there was anything really stylistically that jumped out to me. But no. yeah, there were like, there were just a couple lines. So it's much more the writers of just like, oh, I don't like this.
0: Yeah, and like the the other reason I hate that line is also because it feels too broy, you know, between him and Brandon. It's like I could hear Steve say that and still hate it, but not because it wasn't. I, I don't like. I think I hate it mostly because it came from his father.
2: Yeah, it's and like. like- If Steve said
0: it, it would feel much more Steve-like to say something like that, and I would still hate it because of the double standard, but I don't know. I just hate when, like, dads and sons are just so, like, douchey about sex and about scoring girls and and shit like that.
2: Yeah. And, like, some other stuff happens with Brandon that's, like, much more in the Brenda story, so... Like maybe that has something to do with the next choice that he makes in his, you know, plot. But he ends up going to the chancellor and basically just like laying it out on the table of being like, your daughter is not this whole like virginal saint. And like, you know, Brandon talks about this fight in the hotel room and the chancellor asks, somebody gave her something to drink and is like, I just, I don't understand like, this is not my daughter. She's so amazing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Brandon mentions the plane tickets to Berkeley. He mentions how, like, Claire was talking about choking herself and everything on prom night. I mean, he technically says cry a lot on prom night, but I know that's what he was alluding to. Mm-hmm. And then the chancellor gets a phone call and like, I think this was just a failure on, like, the actor's part. He, like, immediately picks up the phone call and is just like, I have to take this. Right. Yeah. I noticed that little slip, too. I think there is just not enough of a pause to acknowledge that somebody is actually on the phone.
0: Come on, man. You got to learn, which I guess that's happened afterwards, but you got to take your acting lessons from a phone from Sandra O. Oh in Princess Diaries when <laughs> she's like, Gupta. Gupta. hmm <laughs> mm <laughs> The queen is coming.
1: <laughs> it's like my favorite part in Princess Diary. It kind of is the best part, though.
0: Right?
2: <laughs> oh, sorry. That was super random, but I love that. <laughs> but, like, it's perfect. It's like, here is an example of like, you could pick up the phone and immediately start talking, but you have to acknowledge that somebody on the other side of the phone has to say something before you're (laughs) like Brandon I have to take this right or like phone rings Brandon I have to take this then pick up the phone and immediately start ignoring Brandon
0: exactly yeah 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 and it's just also interesting too that like the chancellor even says Claire's like first in her class so clearly Claire is a very good student like you said earlier she said she got into all of her schools which I do wonder how many she applied to and which ones um But yeah, what's even funnier is after Brandon leaves, Claire just jumps out of nowhere and starts talking to him. He tells her what he said to the uh, the chancellor and she's like, you're dumb. Like basically
2: just like, well, doesn't matter. (laughs) Right. She's like, you just shot yourself in the foot and you'll find out why. And then leaves. And I was just like, I have to watch the next episode. Oh, totally. She literally just like pops in, says her
0: little spiel, is Claire. And already because she does that, now I'm like starting to really like her, how she just pops in and out. And then she's just, like, I was never here and leaves. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's true. Like she just, she shows up just long enough to like really have an impact on this scene. Mm-hmm. And I'm so curious what's going to happen because it seems like, You know, she clearly knows something Brandon doesn't about her dad, but it sounds like boys have come to her dad before and been like, Your daughter is crazy. And then like, you know, Jim's whole every man's daughter is a virgin thing comes into play where the chancellor's like, Yeah, but she's first in her class, she got into all of her colleges and she is going to all of her colleges. Yeah. And then just like shuts that down.
0: Exactly. It's it's so funny. It's like clearly all the things that we've been saying about claire and her relationship with her father it follows the stereotype right because by her saying she's not like no consequences are going to happen for her is means that number 1 she's been here before number 2 she has her dad wrapped around her finger i don't have a third thing it sounded like i was about to have a third thing but i don't but it just makes for an interesting storyline and like you said her kind of popping in and out actually makes it even more interesting
2: Yeah. No, it's – I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to Brandon because, you know, they make that comment about how something he wrote is going to be part of the keynote speech. And I don't remember why he has to go to Berkeley because of it, (laughs) but I know that's why he has to go to Berkeley. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the chancellor is going to do something to Brandon and his whole chance of getting to meet the president in order to protect Claire. Oh my gosh, if Brandon doesn't get to meet the president, I swear to God, like <laughs> this show is going to take him literally up to the door of the Oval Office <laughs> and then he's gonna get like tackled by security because Claire's already in there or something. Like, I don't know. Yep, totally boy is not going to meet the president and i'm getting really stressed about it
0: (laughs) why do i care so much i know we've been told it's because we've been told from like episode one that brandon could potentially meet the president and they repeat it more often than anything else in this show besides brandon hates dancing and so now we're invested
2: (laughs) such high stakes (laughs) exactly the stakes have never been higher (laughs) And, like, what is this, episode 29? We got two episodes to meet the president. I know. Is it going to happen or is it not? <laughs> I'm so stressed out. <laughs> Ugh. But, yeah, I mean, like, that that's basically the cliffhanger that we end on with Claire and Brandon, where she's like, you're going to see what happens to you. Yep. And then there was Brenda. There sure was.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda wins the role of Maggie the Cat, or Margaret, as she prefers to call her, until she and the character have become better acquainted. Laura and Steve are fucking pissed. Steve spreads the rumor that Brenda slept with Roy to get the part. Kelly, Donna, and Andrea tell Brenda about the rumors, and then act like they kinda sorta believe them. Brendan's all, no judgies. remember Lulu? For some reason, Dylan is the only one who's like, I know you didn't do that, Brenda. In an attempt to get Brenda kicked out of the play, understudy Laura tells Brenda rehearsal has been postponed. Her plan fails when Brenda talks to Eddie, Captain Roy's first mate, who talks to Roy on her behalf, (laughs) explaining the mistake. Laura's anger increases exponentially. She tries to get Steve to break Brenda's fingers and toes to get her to miss rehearsals. When that doesn't work, she tries to hurt herself. Brenda, um, or sorry, fuck. Fuck. Luckily, Brenda and Steve are there to save her and get her some help. Too bad they're both traumatized now.
2: Okay, I really wish that Brandon had actually said, no judges, remember (laughs) Louie? And also, I just, as soon as Mary
0: said Captain Roy and his first mate, all I could think of is that Roy is Captain Hook and the other dude is Smee.
1: Yep, I can't unsee it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It is there and will forever be there. It's it's honestly a perfect casting. It really is. <laughs> so last episode ended with Brenda showing up at Roy's house in like that really like hot little black dress. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, fade to black. Come in. I guess this is the next day. And she's like run into the peach pit to tell everyone that she got the part. And literally everyone is just like, but she choked.
0: Yeah. Like, she bombed. Like, everybody is talking about the fact that Brenda bombed the audition.
2: Yeah. And, like, Kelly makes a face about it. Like, they're not even that excited when she gets it, except for Nat, who has to step into the scene long enough to get a hug and then leave. Yep. And, like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, she did poorly in the, like, the final audition, the callback, but, like, there's more that goes into casting someone for a play, a TV show, a movie, you know, whatever. Like, totally. Whatever. Yeah. But then, so like, yeah, we see Donna, Kelly, Dylan, and Brandon are all like, yay, so proud of you, but weird you got it, right? Mm hmm. And meanwhile, Steve is furious that He's Laura so didn't get the role. He's so mad. And first of all,
0: just one little side comment. <laughs> First uh, two side comments. Number 1, I still love that Brenda has the Rachel haircut because I think she can totally rock it. Number yes. 2, when Brandon's or when Brenda says that she got the role Brandon goes, well, way to go, Sister Brenda, and it just reminds me of the time on this podcast where we got off on a really weird tangent about why we call certain people by their, like, relative name, (laughs) and other people not by their relative name, (laughs) Uh, and how we don't go around calling everybody, like, Cousin
2: Jason, and... (laughs) Oh, Does Brandon listen to the podcast? He totally does. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, Steve's pissed. <laughs> He's so pissed. He's like, I'm going to go to Roy and I'm going to demand that he explain to me exactly why you didn't get the role. And Laura's like, well, I didn't get the role because Brenda slept with him.
0: Oh my God. And yeah, Steve is acting like such a stage mom here. He's like, He's like more mad than she is because she at this point, Laura is like more sad than mad. But I think she like her anger gets heightened because Steve is acting like a stage mom. He's like, I'm going to go over to Roy Randolph's house and I'm going to threaten him and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And it's like she's still the understudy. Like she's still going to have a role here.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think this kind of fits Steve's personality in like, really wanting to be, I guess, the representation for the talent. Mm-hmm. You know, he did all that with David before, albeit really badly. Yeah. And I also think that, like, all of this negative energy that he has going on is definitely, like, feeding what ends up happening with Laura. Like, I think she has, you know, mental health issues that she needs to work with on her own. But it's, like, part of working through those is acknowledging your surroundings and, like, the people that you need to remove from your life. Mm -hmm. And I think we've already acknowledged that like Steve and Laura should not be spending any time together. Totally. I mean, because we've seen
0: Laura be somewhat diabolical, right? Like she is the one that even told Brenda that Kelly auditioned for uh, Maggie the cat. She was the one that told Brenda that Kelly got coffee with him. Like all of this stuff. Laura has been sort of the instigator and she is that again. So it's not too surprising that she starts this rumor um, or at least she doesn't start the rumor that Randolph sleeps with his leading ladies. She just insinuates that that's how Brenda got the role um, because Laura wouldn't do that. Like she herself would not do that, but maybe Brenda would. Um, And yeah, Steve, of course, kind of at first defends Brenda. But you can see he doesn't fully believe it.
2: No. And I mean, he ends up like truly being the one that perpetuates this. Like Laura plants the seed, but Steve is the one that spreads the rumor. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, I mean, we get, you know, a short scene where they introduce everyone that's in the play, which seemed really weird to me that we spent so much time like literally naming every single person. I know. And like every single non...
0: Main character did like a weird, like finger guns, or like, hey,
2: you know, like a salute or like (laughs) something like weird. Like, clearly, you're an extra. (laughs) Yeah. And like, all of that to just have Brenda be like, I'd like to call her Margaret. And then like moody music when they pass over Laura and it's like, understudy to Margaret, Laura. Exactly. (laughs) While that's happening, we see David for a solid five seconds throwing a frisbee. Which adorable. Maybe he's finally
0: leaned into being a doggy dad because he's like trying to play with little Rocky with a frisbee. And Donna's like, he's too little.
2: <laughs> Which, like, this dynamic with Rocky, I totally buy. Of David being like, It's a dog, I want to play with it. And Donna being like, But he's precious, he's my puppy. Literally the dynamic of me and Nate. Nate's all like, <laughs> Let's have Noodle jump
0: off this thing. And I'm like, No, she's little. <laughs> And oh. that's why he's the favorite. Anyway. Don't you just hate
2: that? Yes, 100%. I have a lot of issues with that. <laughs> I understand. John's the favorite. Oh, makes me so mad. So while David and Donna are playing with the dog, Kelly is just like sitting a little farther back. She's reading. She's sunbathing. Like everything that you would expect to do if you're sitting in front of, a you know, if your apartment is right on the beach Mm -hmm. and then steve walks up in like slacks and dress shoes and just is like huffy and i couldn't stop thinking about how much sand he's getting in his shoes
0: oh i know and he is a man on a mission because he walks straight up to kelly to talk about the situation between brenda and laura and kelly's like what do you mean like da 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 and then she says well she did go over
2: to his house
0: and he gave her a second chance
2: yeah and like steve starts like kind of hinting at this idea that brenda slept with randolph and like as soon as they start talking he's like you said it not me Mm -hmm. like steve you may not have actually said the words i think brenda slept with roy but you did yeah objection um leading the witness yeah and then like they're they're talking, and Kelly, like, doesn't sound too firm with the idea. She's like, well, Roy did hit on me while I was auditioning.
0: Yeah, it's like Donna's like, that's absolutely ridiculous. You're being ridiculous. Kelly, tell him he's being ridiculous. And she very unconvincingly, uh, very unconvincingly is like, you're
2: being ridiculous. But then yeah. he did hit on me. Yeah, and then David is like, well, Brenda was crazed when Kelly was auditioning. Which, like... David, no one asked you. Right. Literally, like, stay out of this conversation. And I just don't
0: understand how easily... I mean, I do understand. Because there's a reason why Brenda is very insecure about the strength of her relationships with these people. But I just don't understand how quickly they were able to be, like, persuaded into the fact that Brenda... Because Brenda later makes a really, really good point. So I'll wait to say what she makes. But it's like... Brenda is not some person who just, like, sleeps with every guy she meets. She has never been that person. She won't be that person. She isn't that person. But yet, for some reason, they are very easy to think the worst in her.
2: And this is not the first time that they have, like, thought the worst in her and all turned their backs against her. So, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a very clear lead up to what we know is going to happen where Shannon Doherty leaves the show at the end of this season. But, like, all of her friends are just standing on the beach talking shit about her. And then, you know, I guess we kept forward to that night where Kelly and Dylan are in Dylan's living room, like, you know, studying or whatever. And Dylan calls it crap that, like, Steve started these rumors. And he's like, Steve isn't thinking with his head. He's thinking with his zipper and gets really mad at Kelly for not siding with Brenda in this. Which –
0: Obviously this fight is exacerbated by the fact that all they do now is fight and anytime yeah. Brenda's brought up it's a very touchy subject. However, I don't disagree. Like, Dylan's right. He's he's essentially taking up for their friend who they've been friends with for how long now and suddenly they're like
2: listening to Laura who nobody likes anyway? Yeah, and like, you know, this show has told us that Laura is an unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Like, When she accused Steve of date rape, Kelly stood up for Steve, no questions asked. Now she's accusing Brenda of sleeping with the director, and Kelly's like, well, I could see it. Yeah, and now she's, like,
0: fully believing this rumor instead of believing her friend.
2: Yeah, and, like, what, she's had three conversations with Laura, and she's Mm -hmm. been friends with Brenda for four years? Exactly. And so, Uh yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to go to the next part where Steve goes to Laura's room. Yeah, Um, she goes,
0: he goes over to Laura's room and she's acting all like morose and just out of sorts. And then, yeah, she, she, she starts talking and immediately at this point, this is where I was getting really concerned over her mental health state, which... Isn't the first time that, you know, I've felt this way. Because obviously, like, there's been signs all along the way. But then Steve is like, well, Laura, you're not the kind of person who would sleep with the director. And I'm like,
2: oh, but Brenda is? Yeah. Like, and, I mean, it's a whole thing. Because, like, Laura talks about how rehearsal was humiliating because she didn't say anything. And it was like, I mean... Between that and her saying, like, Brenda's monopolizing all of Roy's time and I want to strangle her mm-hmm. and all this stuff, like, Steve needs to stop feeding this fire and, like, acknowledge that something weird is going on. Like, if you are this humiliated by just being an understudy, like, that's not healthy. Right. And I
0: think sometime later in the episode – um, Randolph actually does tell Brenda like she like to be in this business you have to have thick skin which mm-hmm. absolutely I believe is true. Um the if Laura is serious about being an actress, she does not have thick skin. Like if she's this quote unquote humiliated by being an understudy and not talking because she's an understudy at a table read. Like
2: I yeah. Yeah, I mean it's like it's a little heavy-handed in this Mm -hmm. script to say like this is laura like look at what's happening with laura um and And
0: yeah and like there's like a weird line because it's like i don't want to shit talk laura because i understand that there's something going on here and she needs to get some professional help you know but i think it's it's the reason it's so hard to talk about it is because the show doesn't take it seriously. They just use it as an excuse for to forward the the plot line here. Um, because I think, you know, we've talked about this before. It's like, we're not going to see Laura after this. Laura no. is here to be the person who's unstable and then leave. Um, and so, so it's easy to talk. Like, come on, Laura, have thicker skin because it's not being taken seriously. But it's
2: hard to talk about that because we know what's going on here. Yeah. And it's, you know, really interesting that they even brought Laura back in the first place because, like, they didn't do anything about the last time Laura was in this. Like, that was a, you know, date rape accusation that they never really came out and clearly said, you know, this is true or this is false. Mm -hmm. And she was basically, like, humiliated and written off after that and then they were just like oh no it's okay we're going to bring her back and she and steve are going to be totally fine and then this is going to happen like yeah it's not taking her as a character seriously Mm -hmm. exactly and then you know on top of all of that like she's still saying all these things to steve and kind of like putting things in his ear of like brenda is so sleazy she's a slut who would go date like sleep with this guy for a role she'll do anything to get it. And then we see Steve, I guess the next day on campus and like Brandon runs into him and is like, Hey, let's go play basketball with Deshaun. And Steve is in this horrible mood, doesn't want to talk. And he's like, do you think Brenda was switched at birth? Which Brandon responds with, what did she do now?
0: Right. like, Like he's already convinced that Brenda did something wrong, which doesn't help.
2: And then, yeah, so Steve basically says, like, there's a rumor going around school about how she really got the part and, like, doesn't include, like, I started this rumor. And Brandon just kind of looks at him. Like, he is even like,
0: yep, she did it, you know, like, without even, number one,
2: immediately coming to her defense. But then, B, being easily persuaded. Well, and so that's the thing. Like, yeah, he says, like, well, you better stop this rumor. And Steve's like, but should I? And Brandon's like, uh, I don't know. Right. Like He literally doesn't say anything when Steve is like, do you think Brenda is capable of this? Exactly. Like, at this point, it's been Kelly, Donna, David, Steve, and Brandon who have all just been like, I believe she's capable of doing this. Not only do I believe she's capable of it, I would be willing to believe she actually did it. Yeah. Like if you
0: had, if your life depended on
2: it, all of these people would say that Brenda did it. Yeah. They they at least would not definitively say she didn't. Exactly. And that's like, a problem. You know, Brenda is a very sore spot in Kelly and Dylan's relationship already. But, like, Kelly gets pretty upset and, like, Dylan gets upset at her for, you know, not standing up for Brenda. But, like, yeah, that was a fight in their relationship and Kelly still couldn't say, like, no, I know she didn't do it. I'm just telling you the rumor. like you don't even need to tell him the rumor exactly and like yeah
0: i always go back to like yeah i know that brenda's a sore spot in kelly and dylan's relationship but it's like guys y'all cheated on her like if anything brenda should be the one that's upset like kelly should be wanting to do anything to get her back in good graces like it bothers me that, it, which, again, I realize they have limited time with Brenda because Shannon Dory Jody is not going to be on the show. However, it still bothers me how Brenda is the villain, first, foremost, always. Mm-hmm. And it just bugs me because she's not the villain. Like, she's just made out to be one, and I hate it. Poor Brenda. I...
2: Justice for Brenda. Justice for Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, I know, you know, there are all these rumors about, behind the scenes drama and all this stuff and that's why brenda like gets painted as a a villain that's why brenda gets written off the show and they don't renew shannon doherty's contract or she's fired or whatever but like they really kind of in addition to making brenda the villain they kind of end up making kelly this like invincible like i'm just better than you character despite talking shit about her friend behind her back totally and stealing her boyfriend
0: Yeah, it's like it's clear whose side we're supposed to be on.
2: Yeah, which I don't even get because now, you know, they talked about how they were going to move the sorority meeting to Andrea's house so that they could see her. And so we go to the sorority meeting where Kelly is now telling Andrea about this rumor.
0: Yep. And they're talking about it when all of a sudden Brenda walks in, which she wasn't even supposed to be at this meeting because she was supposed to have rehearsal. But while All of this stuff was happening. Somebody had called the Walsh house and told Cindy, like left a message that rehearsal had changed from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. And then you see it's Laura on the other end of the line. So that happened, which then caused Brenda to show up to the sorority meeting. And it's all awkward. And Brenda, of course, is on edge because she already is insecure about
2: her friends to begin with. And then Kelly tells Brenda the rumor. Yeah, and then, like, she says that she heard it from Steve, Brenda snaps at them, and Kelly's like, "Jeez, I'm sorry, I told you. And I was like, how is that the reaction? How is – yeah, Brenda gets really upset, and Kelly reacts
0: like, well, excuse me for trying to be a good friend. You're not being a good friend, Kelly.
2: I love you, but you're being horrible. Yeah, honestly, like, Kelly's a bad friend.
0: Yeah, it like- just – they're trying to throw all all of this wonderful beautiful relationship from everybody. They're trying to throw it away because they don't want us to care about Brenda once she's gone. I get it. Like
2: yeah. I also I also kind of get the feeling, you know, with what Donna said last episode when it was just her and Andrea at the sorority meeting that they're probably taking this as an opportunity to like introduce new characters. Yeah. And say like, okay, we can start splitting them up. They don't Mm -hmm. have to spend all of their time together. And like, frankly, they shouldn't.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they want us to care about the new people coming in and not care about people leaving, which, okay, that's fine. Like, I get that. You want the show to continue to have good ratings. So I get it. I just really, I just, I love Brenda and I just, I never want to see a complete like crash and burn on a character when they don't deserve it like maybe yeah like i don't know everything that happened back then with shannon doherty and and the cast and the crew and all that but you just it's kind of like how nowadays when um a character or an actor gets a new job and so they can no longer be in the current show that they're in and they get a send-off you know, like, usually nowadays, you actually get a send-off, but sometimes, like, certain characters get this really, really excellent send-off, and then other ones don't, and you're like, hey, man, I really like that character, and you just, it reminds you, there's politics everywhere, mm-hmm. there's favoritism everywhere, and it's not just, like, about the fans, right? So, because I'm, I'm I'm even thinking about, like, Grey's Anatomy, which I don't want to say too much, because I know Mary is, is watching it,
1: so... You can say whatever. Michael has spoiled, like, everything for me. Okay. Like, up until, like, the current season. So, like, it's fine. No worries.
0: Well, I was just going to say, like, there's certain characters, like, Sandra O's character, Christina, gets an amazing send-off aka she doesn't die <laughs> she gets like a dream job and rightfully so number one sandra I was a complete angel number two she was like the heart and soul of that show for 10 years so of course she wanted to go on and do different things um then some would argue that uh kyler lee's character lexi gray got a horrible send-off when she was also kind of very very much an emotional like driver of the show like at first you're kind of like who is this person why is she here she's like the kid's sister but then you end up loving her because she's just uh, number one kylie lee is an amazing actress despite (laughs) the kind of lame roles she used to be in when she was younger (laughs) but number two you just really fall in love with lexi gray and her relationship with mark and like blah 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 and she just gets to die in a plane crash for no reason For no reason.
1: And the writers are like, oh yeah, fuck Mark too.
0: Yeah, they even bring Mark back the next season for like two episodes. And then they're like, then he dies in a coma. And you're like, (laughs) what? You just kill off like the second best relationship on the show in one fell swoop.
1: Yeah, like I have so much that I haven't even seen that I haven't forgiven them for because Michael (laughs) has been watching.
0: It's that to me is when Grey's started going downhill was after that stuff happened, which, and again, I think part of, this is such a tangent. We should have a Grey's Anatomy (laughs) podcast, but I want to say that like keeping um, Eric Dane was too expensive. And so, and the cast itself was getting really expensive. So they had to kind of trim the fat a little bit and Probably Eric Dane had a pretty sizable contract, I would assume, just because he's been in the business for so long. But of course, then Kyler Lee had to be collateral damage because they weren't going to break up Mark and Lexi again. So that's when I'm like, okay, that really sucks because you just fall in love with a character or characters and it's not always about the fans. Uh, Anyway, I forget what we're talking about. Oh, just the fact that Brenda's getting kind of a shitty send off for being such a great character.
2: Yeah, like Brenda in, I guess, like a fit of rage, quote unquote, like I don't even think she snaps that much. And I think she's pretty justified in being pissed off at her friends. Mm -hmm. But she basically is like, well, I did sleep with Roy because I have no talent and then like storms out and goes right to campus. Yeah, which is
0: complete sarcasm, which I think most people would pick up on. But it just shows that Brenda, um, what, what am I trying to say? She's, I think, sure enough of herself to feel like she shouldn't have to tell them whether she did or not. Like, she shouldn't have to say. Like, they should just know, which is what, you know, eventually happens the next scene where Dylan finds Brenda at the student center to chat. And there's a quote that I'll get to in just a second. But basically, Dylan says, like, he knows without a shadow of a doubt that she didn't sleep with him. And number one, that just again solidifies the relationship and the kind of trust built between Dylan and Brenda, even though Dylan cheated on her with her best friend. I still can't believe he did that. I can't either. But it just shows that this relationship is so much deeper. Like Dylan and Brenda is so much deeper than just surface level friends. Um, You know, there's a lot of foundation that was built in this relationship to where he knows like whether that's the thing too whether or not Dylan actually believes that she didn't sleep with him he knows that's what she needs right Mm -hmm. she needs somebody to
2: believe her and to know her and to understand her character and he does that yeah and like bare minimum that they could have done in the last last scene like when Kelly tells Andrea the rumor at first Andrea straight up like no she wouldn't do that and then Brenda gets there and Andrea is silent eating a turkey wrap exactly it's like Andrea where was that confidence
0: like two seconds after the fact that you just like what you just said It, it doesn't make any sense as to why only Dylan is the one that believes her or at least is willing to speak up on it
2: yeah and like yeah Dylan shows up like speaks in a southern accent to her and is literally just like I know you didn't do it yep plain and simple Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he they're talking a little bit and
0: Dylan says something and I was like, "Ooh, is this a parallel? Because he says, you ever wanted something so bad, then you finally get it and it turns out to be a nightmare, which obviously he's talking about Brenda with her role um, in the play. But I'm like, boy, you talking about Kelly here? Because you used to say that you've been wanting her since like kindergarten or first grade or whatever. And now all you guys do
2: is fight. So, or it could be like a prelude to his family. Oh, that's finally good got too. a family, and they're a nightmare. I yeah. So double parallel. Yeah, I mean, assuming anything that we've been theorizing <laughs> is right. Right. True. Yeah, and then yeah, like they have this nice little talk. It makes Brenda feel better. She goes to rehearsal everyone's like giving her these looks as she comes in and that's when she finds out that rehearsal is over and she missed the entire thing and she's like no no no! I got a message somebody told me that rehearsal got moved and the other guy I
0: forget the other guy's name Eddie is that right
2: I think so I was gonna call him Smee Smee
0: yeah Smee is all like oh I've heard that before you know he's probably thinking like oh that's the dog ate my homework kind of thing but I was thinking about it and I was like, well, wait a minute. That's a really easy thing to do because you don't have like Facebook or texting or like whatever, even email really at this point to confirm, like you would, a lot of this would be word of mouth. So why shouldn't Brenda believe that rehearsal got
2: canceled if she got a phone call? (laughs) Yeah, and, like, her mom took a note down. Like, her mom wouldn't have known Laura's voice down. And, like, and who knows if Brenda would have even been able to figure it out. Right, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, Laura makes this, like, smug little face. And uh, Eddie Smee agrees to talk to Roy (laughs) and, like, smooth things over because he's like, if this was the real world, you'd be fired by now. Mm -hmm. But she's so insistent. He's like, okay, fine. I'll talk to him. Whatever. Meanwhile... Laura goes to talk to Steve and is like Rehearsal was great everything was Perfect I got to do everything And And then Brenda Walks out and this
0: scene Is amazing I It's amazing because again Shannon Doherty is so Good even if all The rumors are true about her being a nightmare On set or whatever even if those Are true she freaking brings It like in these big Emotional times And these fights, like, I don't really, uh, I'm not an expert on acting. I, I'm not even a novice on acting. I don't know anything about it, but I like to think that you can kind of tell when actors push other actors to be better, you know, like you can kind of tell when you're getting the best out of two people. And I truly feel, and this is just my opinion, but I feel that Shannon Doherty pushes the other actors to be better because when she's in a scene, especially one-on-one, with another actor, they're a lot better with her than they are other people. And I'm not saying Ian Ziering is a bad actor at all. I think he's one of the better ones on the show.
2: But he takes it up a notch here with Shannon Doherty. Oh, yeah. I think this is a great scene. And, like, they're, like, spitting barbs back at each other is just, like, so good. It's so good. Because, yeah, like, I didn't write down quotes, but essentially Brenda accuses Laura of faking the phone call Steve says like you know he starts bringing up the rumor and like Brenda calls him out and he's like look I don't know if you realize this but I'm Brandon's friend and I'm not yours which is something we've always known but now it's out in the open (laughs) yeah I mean like let's be honest Steve you didn't have to say it exactly did but you didn't have to totally and then like yeah he gets like really heated about it and I guess they go back to one of their rooms, Laura's or Steve's. I don't remember. Because yeah. this is where Laura starts asking Steve to kidnap Brenda and lock her in a closet or break her fingers and toes. Of course, you'll have to make it look like an accident.
0: And then it was like, at first, Steve was like, yeah and goes along with it and is like weirdly into it but then it's like she keeps talking about it and keeps talking about like oh it should be an accident and da 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 -da. and now all of a sudden he's like wait
2: you're not serious are you and i hate it yeah and like you know we kind of leave that scene with him you know, coming to this realization, but not saying anything to Laura of like, no, I'm not going to break her fingers and toes. Mm -hmm. Because now we have to go to the Walsh house where Brandon and Brenda have twin talk, which I like got really excited about. And then I was just like, I hate you, Brandon. (laughs) I know. At first it was good.
0: And then it got worse.
2: Well, and like he tells Brenda that he heard the rumor and is like, I know how you must be feeling. And I was like, I guess that's because of that article with Lucinda, but, like, definitely not the same thing. One person knew. Right. Meanwhile, Brenda's got, like, the entire school talking shit about her. And then Brenda says that, like, Donna and Kelly were so rude to her and they haven't called to even apologize or, like, see how she's doing. And Brandon's like, well, have you called them? And it's like, why would she? Yeah. (laughs) Like, no, Brandon, I haven't called the people that are being jerks to me. Yeah. Like, what is she supposed to do? And then, yeah, she's like, I can't believe that anyone would believe I did it. And then Brandon's like, you got to admit it looks peculiar to people.
0: Right. Like, Brenda's like, why do they think, like, I'm any different than how I've always been she's like I've only slept with two guys in my entire life and she doesn't she says Stuart Carson and Dylan McKay and she doesn't say this but I kind of added on and I said like these were very serious relationships I know we joke about Stuart and her being together like for two days but it was a whirlwind romance and I actually do believe that they had you know strong feelings for each other especially like towards the end there but yeah, it's like out of all the guys that Brenda has like kind of flirted with or talked to or been with or whatever, she still only slept with two of them. She clearly regards at least like in her her terms, like sex is for serious, right? It's not casual. It's not, you know, a one-time thing or, or whatever. And so she's like, I don't understand why they don't, why they suddenly think that I think any differently or that I'm any different, which I totally agree with. I'm like, Yeah, if you really think about it, yeah, Brenda can be chaotic, but she's not careless. And she doesn't do these things out of spite like this.
2: Well, and, like, even if she did, like, sleep with more guys than just two people that she was in an intense relationship with, having sex with someone is a lot different than having sex with someone to get ahead and, like, knock somebody else out. Totally. Absolutely. This whole scene, Brandon never says that he believes her. He says it doesn't matter if she slept with him or not. And which, like, on the one hand, that's –
0: in a different situation, that would be nice, right? Because then the last thing you want to have happen is somebody judge you or think any less of you or whatever for something that is absolutely, like, your choice. Um, And if, like – I might add, not a bad thing. Like, again, like you said, having sex with somebody is not a bad thing as long as you consent and they consent. Totally fine. Mm -hmm. You're right. Having sex with somebody to get ahead or to, you know, use power. Because of a power dynamic, yeah. Totally 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 different. But difference between Brandon and Dylan here is that Dylan knows what the right thing to say is. Brandon doesn't. Because Brandon, Brenda does not need to hear that she's not being judged. Brenda needs to hear that they know that she
2: didn't do it, that the rumor's not true. And you know what else that I just thought of that really pisses me off? (laughs) Tell me. Like, we're talking about power dynamics. Nobody checks in if they think this is true to make sure that Brenda is okay because some guy used power over her to make her have sex with him. That's Or to convince her that she needed to have sex with him. I mean, that's the whole, like, Me Too movement. That's everything going on in Hollywood right now, like – no one is actually checking on her feelings they're just assuming that she's the one in the wrong but if it's a power dynamic then he is the one that is exerting power over her well and that's the thing they're treating her like she was in control
0: which you can't be in that situation you cannot be in control of a situation where you lack power
2: yeah and like we literally we never get anything about somebody call like checking to make sure that Brenda is okay because this scene even gets cut short because Steve calls and Brandon stops talking to his sister who is in distress to pick up a phone call from Steve and say he has to go yeah yeah
0: I mean we we could literally go on and on and on about like all this because it's so problematic and it's so bad brother bad friend bad situation, bad advice, bad listening skills, like, the list goes on and on and on. But I do, I do feel like the worst part, now that I'm thinking about it, like you said, is the fact that nobody seems to understand that this could have
2: been a traumatic situation. Yeah, like, Brenda, if this had happened, Brenda could have seriously been a victim. Mm-hmm. Well, and from that point forward,
0: it's like, if... Let's say it wasn't explicit that she had to sleep with him to get this role. Now that she – we're saying if she ended up doing it. Now that she has, she probably feels indebted to him, right? Like Mm -hmm. now
2: if I want anything else, I have to do these favors. Yeah. Like, you know, like you said, like this could have been a traumatic moment of hers of being like maybe I don't have any talent. Maybe the only way that I'm going to get ahead in this career that I so desperately want is to keep sleeping with men that I don't want to sleep with.
0: You know, this really makes me think of now, um, Mary. I don't know if you've read it, and if you haven't, you absolutely have to. Uh, but the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, because basically, in order to get out of her situation, Evelyn Hugo begins her escape by sleeping with somebody that she doesn't want to, and that she she ends up using her power, like sex, is her power, to get what she wants. But then there's like all these other kind of abusive things that happen you know, to accomplish things, to get out of things, to do to, to basically get what she wants or doesn't want. But Mary, it is one of my favorite books of all time. You should absolutely read it. It's called it's on The my Seven Heavens. A... Oh, it is? Good. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. It's read very it today. Good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> every I will I don't want to hype it too much even though I'm already doing it, but every single person that I know that has read it has loved it. It's okay, been... very good.
1: I'm going to finish the shining yeah, and then I'm going to read it next.
0: Well it's a. it's like such a different vibe that I think that's perfect. <laughs>
2: yeah, and then when you're done with that, you can watch I Tanya. Yes. yes, perfect. Yes, do that. Yeah, because the whole reason that Steve called Brandon and is like, "I need you to come to the student center right now," is uh, because Steve has brought all of the friends that think horribly of Brenda together to be like, "I realize that Laura is not mentally well." And she really wants to hurt Brenda. And I think, like, this might not be his exact words, but I know I wouldn't have written this down in my words. Steve says that Laura is a wacko and wants to pull a Tanya Harding. Okay, yeah. And he says wacko with a capital J.
0: Yeah,
2: I heard that and I didn't understand. I was trying to to think is
0: there like a derogatory term for crazy that
1: starts with J? Apparently, Wacko Jacko was um, Uh, a tabloid name for Michael Jackson. Oh, but Uh, I don't know if that's more recent than this, because the article that I just found while Googling that is from like 2018. Well, if that is that
2: reference, big yikes. Yeah, I mean, that even makes it a lot worse. Yeah. Like... I, we have talked about, like, all of the ableist language and, like, the weight that this show refuses to give mental health and, like, acknowledging that, like, there are so many underlying factors in how a person behaves and mm-hmm. it's a whole thing. And then, like, I guess kind of going off of that, Brandon, like, when they first sit down, Brandon basically says, like, if she did the deed with Randolph, she wouldn't be acting like this because they still can't even just say, like, she didn't do it. Exactly. But they all basically realized that, you know, Laura needs professional help. Like, Steve does say, like, she needs professional help. And I, you know, technically agreed to go along with this Tanya Harding plan because I was scared that if I didn't say something, that she would go do it. Which is probably a good move, you know? Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, because if somebody is, like, unstable, like – or at least unpredictable. You know, it, it, maybe Steve felt like that was the only way he could predict what she would do or wouldn't do. But yeah, there's just so many things in this scene that I don't like, which is how many times Steve refers to her as quote unquote crazy. He says wacko with a capital J, refers her to um, Tanya Harding, and says that Laura's driveway doesn't go all
2: the way up to the street. Which, like, which he's. I don't even know what that means, but. He's made those kinds of references before by calling like calling people crazy. I think he said something similar like that to Emily Valentine or about Emily Valentine at some mm-hmm. point. Um, and then, yeah, like the whole Tanya Harding comment, like this is right around when the Tanya Harding thing happened. so, you know, pretty painfully obvious that the writer saw it on TV or read it in a newspaper and we're like, oh, you know, this is great inspiration. We do a drama. We can totally find a way to use this. But, like, that, the Tanya Harding uh, whole thing is, like, really complicated and more people Mm -hmm. were involved. And she took the brunt of that both in the media and outside of the media. And, like, we need to stop vilifying women. I really hate the media and how they constantly will just, like, turn things into a 24-hour news cycle and all you see is how much of a bitch Tanya Harding is when, like, that's not the whole story.
0: Yeah, and I don't know enough about the Tanya Harding-Nancy Kerrigan situation. I mean, I don't think we'll ever know all the facts. But based on the, the movie, I, Tanya, which is excellent, by the way. Um, so good. Tanya Harding really wasn't the one to blame, right? I mean, and she didn't do the thing. She may have talked about it. She may have been an accomplice. She didn't do the thing, but she certainly, like you said, felt the brunt of it all, both, you know, I mean, her her skating career is done Um, completely done after that. And you just, you hate to see it if it's not true or if it's not the whole story or whatever. Um, but, yeah, that just shows you that clearly um, – 902 and 0 believed that Tanya Harding was the end all be all when it came to that situation. And so they decided to reference her as that's what Laura is turning into. So that sucks.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's the whole thing of like you're perpetuating a story that may or may not be true. And, you know, I can't say that Tanya Harding necessarily like sits there and keeps track of every single time someone has besmirched her name, but like she probably wouldn't want to. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but like, you know, all that to say, like, Steve brings this into everybody. Brandon is, I guess, good guy Brandon to be like, we have to believe Brenda because she's acting so upset. (laughs) Not because we just believe her because she's our friend, but no, she's really upset. Yeah. And then like, we get a weird scene where Brenda goes to Roy's house and he's like, I guess, sunbathing and... He's heard the rumors. He says she has to have tough skin and that he only got the job by like almost basically putting in writing that he would not sleep with anyone. And so he's going to clean house. Which when he said that, I was immediately
0: disturbed and scared. I was like, shit, like if you literally have to put in writing, do not have sex with your uh, cast do not have sex with these teenagers don't hire like, this man yeah why does this man have a job if you have to put that in right like can you imagine if every single job you went to in the real world you had to promise that you wouldn't sleep with the people that you work
2: with or people who are underage or whatever like are you serious yeah because it's not even just like in a handbook or like part of you know standard language they specifically told roy randolph that he could not have this job unless he promised he wouldn't sleep with people. I I just can't believe it. It's hmm. it's skeezy. It's really creepy, and he shouldn't have gotten the job. And it's the whole thing about like, you know, men in power and it's it's a lot. I yeah. don't have words for it, unfortunately. It's just, it's just
0: gross. It's awful. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, he says he's cleaning house, which implies that that means Laura that means anybody who has perpetuated the rumors whatever whatever so then um we get to the next I assume the next day but it could have just been the next rehearsal and Laura is rehearsing but then Randolph like fires her in front of everyone and completely
2: humiliates her yeah which like you shouldn't have done that and I mean he even makes comments of like I would normally do this in private but you seem to be liking to air you know dirty laundry and blah 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 but then he embarrasses her in front of everybody, and then when she runs out, Steve runs after her and, like, also says, like, hey, Brenda didn't sleep with Roy, and then you can see that, like, Laura has, you know, essentially, I guess, for lack of a better word, gone over the edge.
0: Yeah, she's definitely spiraled at this point, point. Um, and Steve was like, this was never your part to begin with. Um, he suggests that she needs therapy and now she's like negatively reacting to that because now she just assumes that he and everyone else thinks that she's
2: the c-word crazy yeah capital c Mm -hmm. crazy and like (laughs) pretty much honestly after this i feel like they wrap it up a little too quickly i mean Kelly and Donna ask Brenda to meet them, and Brenda's like, yeah, I know Laura wants to hurt me, but, like, what am I supposed to do about it? And then Brenda finally does mention, like, you didn't even bother to ask me if it was true. Mm-hmm. You just assumed it was true. Exactly.
0: And, yeah, she's feeling defensive, but then apologizes for overreacting. I don't think she overreacted at all.
2: Well, and, like, they were also really unfair to her. Like, Kelly says they feel bad, and then Donna says they feel embarrassed, but then she kind of mentions, like, that they're hurt, that Brenda assumed they were ganging up on her. And I'm like, but you were. Like, all three of you sat there in silence. I think that's and the thing. just stared at her. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, you can't
0: be mad at somebody for jumping to the wrong conclusion when you give them no other information.
2: Yeah. And then, like, you know, they make comments about, like, let's just forget about this. And Brenda's like, no, we are past forgetting about this. Yeah, and she just say like I know who my friends are, and it was like I feel like that's actually saying like I know who my friends are, and they're not you.
0: Yeah, like once I heard her say that, I was like, wait a minute, I don't know who your friends are. I
2: know. Can (laughs) you you, can you tell me? (laughs) Right. Well, and like yeah, think about everything that keeps happening when she and Kelly get in fights. Everybody sides sides with Kelly. When she got arrested, everybody turned their back on her. When this rumor started by Steve, that. She, you know, slept her way into her role. Nobody stood up for her. Like, Mm -hmm. this is definitely her being like, I know who my friends are. I'm acting because that's not you. I hate all of you. I'm leaving. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess. Well, we have that one final situation. Yeah, because like Steve gets back to his room and his phone's ringing, and it's Brandon, and, like, Brandon plays this really, like, coolly, like, he's like, oh, she'll just cool off in a few days, and I'm like, dude, this girl is threatening to physically hurt your sister.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, and Steve just told you about it after vehemently thinking that Brenda slept with Roy Randolph, immediately doing a full U-turn, and telling them in a very, like, kind of a formal way that um all to all the friends that laura is
2: unstable or this is a
0: problem
2: like brenda is in legitimate danger and brandon's just like she'll cool off
0: yeah like yeah it was a little too nonchalant for me
2: that's what brandon always does like Mm -hmm. he does not care about brenda like he would stand up for other people but like you know steve i guess So he goes downstairs, and I guess he's going to, like, talk to Laura and try and calm her down and try and, like, you know, smooth things out so that she doesn't hurt herself or others, which is when he goes into her room and finds a to whom it may concern suicide letter.
0: Yep, and he's immediately, like, freaked out. He runs out of the room. He actually runs into Brenda on the way to the theater and tells Brenda that Laura's in the theater going to kill herself. And so they both take off and
2: go to the theater. Yeah, and they they try and go to the stage. They end up, like, seeing something fall from the rafters, and they look up, and, like, Laura is there, and she's, like, her hair is a mess. She's got these, like, wild eyes. And, like, in her notes, she had talked about how it was her final performance. And Brenda is like, Steve, go call security. I'm going to keep talking to her and try and distract her long enough.
0: Yeah, and Laura overhears and says, like, by the time – they get here you know my performance or whatever will be over so then and she's like while she's talking she's like making a noose out of the rope that's up there and so steve like you know tries to get over to the the ladder to get up there as fast as he can to stop her um and he eventually
2: does like he gets there in time yeah and i mean i I appreciate this scene. I appreciate, you know, Brenda trying to talk her down of like, no, 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 we can split time. Like, you can have time mm-hmm. if that's all that you really want. Like, I'm I'm happy to share performances with you. And Laura's like, what? So people can keep comparing the two of us and like you notice that she's wearing that like silk nighty thing that Steve had given her. And all this stuff. But then when Steve saves her and she just like breaks down crying in his arms and then like the next thing we see is flashing lights because of ambulances and then end of episode and we know we're never going to see Laura again. I was like, okay. Yeah,
0: I think Mary made a point to us like in a tech chain earlier that it's like at least with Emily Valentine, we saw her actually get the help she needs and kind of at least wrap it up a little bit. We knew we weren't going to see her. Uh, we didn't know at the time that we would ever see her again, but we at least got some closure. And I feel like Laura has just become another, like lack of a better term, girl of the week
2: because it does
0: feel like we're never going to see her again.
2: Yeah. And, you know, to kind of build off the girl of the week thing, to prove a point, like a lot of these like girls of the week are people that get you know, written off the show after having a couple episodes, like, the women get written off the show by being damaged. Like, mm-hmm. you, they don't, we don't get to just have, like, healthy, stable female characters who just don't want to be part of the friend group. I mean, even going back to earlier this season, like, the
0: very beginning when we had, um, and forgive me, I forget her name, but the friend from New York City, mm-hmm. like, she had gotten sexually assaulted. So that was why she couldn't be with Brandon, not because she didn't like him.
2: Well, <laughs> like, and we can't uh, just have like a non traumatic situation. And then, like, his last girlfriend in high school, where like he had to fight her abusive ex boyfriend and then she decided to move home. Yeah. Like, nobody gets to just be like, no, I'm moving to San Francisco or no, I'm moving to Paris. They have to have something wrong with them. And that's how they keep getting written out of the show. It bothers me. It bothers me a lot. And, like, we're not going to see her again. And then this episode ends with Steve asking Brenda to stop being mad at him and saying, like, it's over. And then she just leaves and goes to her car and starts crying. And, like, (laughs) I mean, we already know it's the beginning of the end, but, like, This does definitely feel like she's going to go home and pretty immediately look up like, I should have just stayed in Minnesota, so let's try something different.
0: Yeah. I mean, kind of my thoughts on that is I'm glad Brenda didn't forgive Steve. Um, Mm -hmm. He doesn't deserve it. And I'm glad she – again, I feel like Brenda has always had a a self-awareness that none of the other characters really have. Um, for as insecure as she is with friendships, she's very secure in who she is and what she's about. And I really appreciate that. Um, and I'm glad that that was consistent. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> the writers might deem that a negative trait, you know, like, cause they constantly like shit on Brenda. So I'm wondering if they're like, almost kind of like how um, women with really high self-esteem People are more quick to call them arrogant than confident, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I'm like, I wonder if they're actually trying to make people hate her because of that. But instead, I'm like, no, this is a very good thing for her. Like, that's a very healthy person.
1: <laughs> I just really like the idea that we love Brenda for the reasons that the writers want us to hate her, and we hate Brandon for the reason the writers want us to love him. Yes. It's 100% so
0: true. agree. 100%.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I don't even know what else to say about this episode other than, like, Kelly and Dylan really need to break up. Yeah. And Brenda really needs to get herself away from these people. Yes. That being said, (laughs) uh, my quote of the week this week is Brenda Uh from when she's talking to Kelly and Donna and they're like, we just want to forget about this ever happening. And Brenda says, I can't forget about it. But
1: I know who my real friends are. Okay. Good guess. Good guess. I wrote down two. Okay. Um, The first one, lose those blues, it's a beautiful day, bud. Brandon Walsh to Steve. (laughs) (laughs) And also, you bitch, Laura Kingman. (laughs) (laughs) I very much like those
0: guesses. Um, And I actually think I have two as well. Because I wrote down so many different quotes. And I've got one for like being more of a happy, positive vibe. And another for being like a serious vibe. So my first one is the uh, don't go berserkly in Berkeley. (laughs) From the Chancellor. (laughs) It was just, you didn't expect it coming from him. And I think that's why I liked it. (laughs) Um, And then my second one is actually... It's a collection of quotes from the fight between Brenda and Steve, and I'm scrolling back down to it. Uh, Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Here it is. Um, And Steve says, now that you have the part, choke on it, which I was like, gross, but like, it was delivered well. And then uh, Brenda addresses Laura and says, Laura, I'm still Maggie the cat, and you have nothing. Well, except Steve, but that's kind of the same thing now, isn't it? And I was like, sick burn, Brenda. Burn. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. So I, I just, again, that like, Shannon Doherty thrives in emotionally heated conversations and she just pushes it. She takes it up a notch. Just when you think she can't get better, she does it.
2: And like, how can you give a character lines like that and then expect us to hate her?
0: I know. It's it's kind of like when when they give Jenny Garth humor. Like, I can't not laugh because she's so good at it and then you know likewise shannon doherty is excellent at the heated emotional scenes i mean the slap heard around the world like i I almost want to go back and watch that episode just
2: for the slap oh my gosh i miss the slap heard around the world (laughs) well yeah so i guess like you know speaking of that what's next week's episode well uh next week we have season four
0: episode 30 y'all um, we are inching ever closer to the ever so close. season finale, and that one is called
2: "Vital Signs." I feel like that could be anything. The baby? I'm trying to think of like what needs. So, what needs to get wrapped up this season would be, like, you know, whatever's happening with Dylan's family. But I kind of get the feeling that's going to bleed into next up next season. Andrea having her baby. Brandon meeting the president cat on a hot tin roof man brandon meeting the president
0: like with all the things he, he has just to be the president all the things you just said though andrea is literally pushing a human outside of her body uh brenda after all of his drama finally gets to perform on stage and then brandon has to meet the president like <laughs> just thinking about the stakes for all these things and then
2: brandon will he or will he not meet the president <laughs> and like it shouldn't even be a question i feel like they've told us like brandon is going to meet the president and we're like but will he yeah we're like i don't believe you (laughs) oh Oh my my gosh well we'll find out next week if there are any more obstacles between brandon and the president (laughs) and until then you can follow us on twitter and instagram at back to podcast
0: And make sure to send us an email if you feel like fleshing out some of those thoughts more or just, you know, giving us a good old hello. Uh, Enjoy the listens. And uh, you can do that at backtopodcast at gmail.com.
1: That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And
2: don't forget to go into your podcast app and, you know, rate, review, subscribe, share, all those different fun things. Um, If you leave us a review, we'll shout you out on the podcast. You know, it could be the same thing. You can just... Give us a nice little hi, hello, love your podcast, bye. Um, But yeah, those are the kinds of things that like really help us get seen. It helps us build our community, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so do all those things and it makes us happy. Yeah, and so uh, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm Margaret. I'm all the other cast members who got to say who their names are,
1: but I forgot all of them. And I'm Brenda Walsh's exit strategy. Bye. (laughs) Bye. See ya.